What's going on, you guys? Welcome back to the Neighborhood Podcast. One of the hosts of the podcast, my name is Kyle Dabra. What's going on, everybody? Kevin Valentin here, the other half of the podcast. Kyle, happy Thursday, bro. Yes, sir. Going into the weekend, we're going to be chilling, my guy. What about you? I'm chilling, bro. Just came back from the Miami game this past Tuesday, so I had some PTO in the middle of the week. Me and the missus got to stay in Miami for the night. She's working all weekend, but we are going to hang out with some friends tomorrow evening, so it's going to be a really, really nice, simple weekend. Probably just kill it, uh, kill it, cool it by the end of I can't speak. Cool it in the crib with the pup while the missus is working. Probably go see my parents and stuff like that, but just a relaxing weekend, bro. Nice, bro. I got Saturday off, so. Oh, I'm going to probably clean my apartment a little bit. Needs to get clean. Need to do that a little bit. So I've learned some tips from you since you're amazing when it comes to keeping your apartment clean. Because every time I'm like, every time we're talking about like the topics <laughs> that we're supposed to go over, you're always cleaning something in that apartment. So I've learned and Dude, I just, I listen, man. I, I also have a dog. So there's consistent hair and upkeep in an apartment. And then you don't want that stench. It's just. My mom beat my ass when my room wasn't clean. So it's like that. I know I'm not going to get hit for not cleaning my own room in my own apartment, but it's just a good habit to get into, bro. I don't like when my house is messy at all. Where you take all that abuse. It's seared into your head now, bro. Bro, I might have dents in my head. If I were to go bald, man, I might be scared. <laughs> One day, bro. Just not now. <laughs> not now. You're too young for that. We're not, yeah, that, we're no. not that old yet. But, Shit. um, we got a pretty light episode for you guys today. We've got a couple topics to knock out. We also kind of have a what I would consider a new segment, something that Kevin and I have never really done. But um we'll get to that when we go over the agenda go over the agenda in a second. But you ready to dive into these topics? Sir, yes, sir. All right, so we'll keep it within the NBA first for the first couple topics. Um it's like we said last week, we're gonna pr- make a pretty hard pivot into the NBA now that the NFL season has come to a close and we're going to talk about Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis is out. Once again, he suffered a foot injury against the Utah jazz just a couple days ago. And as it's been reported, he's going to be out for the next four weeks after that month of time has passed. They're going to reevaluate him. I imagine they're probably going to reevaluate him after the all-star break. Once that's taken place, but we'll just go over the injury bug that just seems to bite. Anthony Davis at any chance it can get. So we'll dive into that first. After that, we'll talk about the Knicks and just really the epic collapse that the season has been. The New York Knicks are sitting in 12th place right now in the Eastern Conference. In their last 10 games, they've won two out of their last 10 games. And they played the Brooklyn Nets just the other night where they had an epic collapse at home. Freaking Cam Thomas off the bench from Brooklyn looked like freaking Kobe Bryant out there knocking shots down left and right, including a, an amazing like 30-foot three-pointer to really ice the game for Brooklyn. And we'll just kind of dive into just what has been going on with the Knicks, and I wouldn't be surprised if I end up talking some shit about the Knicks fans. I have a tendency to do that, so that'll kind of be fun for me. And then after that, we're going to talk a little bit about football. We do have the offseason coming up. And now we're starting to see some of the gears turn now that the offseason is in tune. And really the first one that we seems to be getting a lot of news recently is Carson Wentz of the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, it looks as if Carson and the Colts seem to be heading towards a split after Carson was with the team for one season at the quarterback position. I know Kev will have plenty to chime in 
on that one. And then we'll wrap up the episode with the newer segment that Kevin and I were talking about. And that is we're going to do kind of like a true or false segment. So what we'll do is Kevin and I will come up with a topic. And what we'll do is like for 30, 45 seconds, we'll either say true or false to whatever we say. And then we'll move on to the next one. And we have like maybe like four or five of those different little true or false stories that we'll hit. So it'll be something a little bit different, just kind of switching some things up from what we typically do. But I think it'll be fun to kind of wrap up the episode with. But um, that's the agenda that we have for the episode. Kevin, the floor is yours for this um so Lakers let me let me let me take the first two topics off your plate. I'll I'll give you the questions since you always giving them to me. So first and foremost, Anthony Davis is going down with another injury. Nobody likes to wish that upon anybody. No one's talking any shit here. But I know a little something about a power forward is consistently in and out of the injury list, and of course, that's usually a little bit more on the injured side than actually playing. So as a Laker fan. I know this has got to piss you off. I know this has got to be somewhat frustrating that your second best player just can never stay on the court. What are your thoughts on the latest injury that Shams reported for Anthony Davis? Kevin, I got to be careful with this one because I don't want to come off too harsh. But Anthony Davis is just as brittle as a glass house. I mean, for God's sakes, if you throw a rock at this glass house, Anthony Davis would be out for a month. And that's exactly what has taken place. I mean, to kind of go over what we were talking about earlier, you know, Anthony Davis was playing against the Utah Jazz the other night. And I have to be honest, Kev, AD looked great. Granted, he has missed a lot of time this season. But the game against the Jazz, he started off great. And he was really kind of the leading force for the Lakers early on in that Jazz game. And they had a pretty sizable lead. But then when he went down... I think he was going up for a rebound, and he gets the rebound. He comes down on Gobert's foot and rolls his ankle. And at the time, you know, looking at some of the replays, it looked pretty bad. Like, I initially thought that he broke his ankle because he was in a significant amount of pain. And LeBron had a pretty uh, pretty wary look about AD's status after that injury took place against the Jazz. It just... Anthony Davis is just such an odd player to go over because it's like two sides of a coin. On one side, when he's healthy, he is one of the best players in the NBA. He is a huge reason why the Lakers were able to win a championship just a couple years ago when they beat the Miami Heat in the bubble. But when he's hurt on the other side of the coin, the Lakers are a subpar team just because... That's Anthony Davis's impact and just his absence on that team. It really shows when he's consistently in and out of the lineup dealing with injuries. I'm not going to be as harsh as what Charles Barkley says, like Anthony Street closed Davis, even though that I do think that that was funny. I think it was hysterical when he brought it up. It's just the guy's always hurt. The guy takes one bad step. The guy makes one bad cut. And it's like you fear the guy might tear a ligament. The guy could be out two, three months guy could break a bone it's just I've never seen somebody so brittle in the NBA throughout my entire life I've watched the NBA for about 20 years at this point there have been some players that have come and gone that have really kind of gone through major injury bugs in the past Derek Rose is one where he was just snake bitten by injuries but to me Anthony Davis 
the guy is just always hurt. And you look at AD's career, it's filled with just these injuries left and right. I mean, if the guy had 50% less of the injuries that he's had throughout his career, I mean, the guy would be essentially like walking into the Hall of Fame on first ballot. And I still think that eventually that he could. I mean, it would be a much more difficult task for it to get to now because of all of the injuries that he's had. But I just, I can't believe that this guy can't stay healthy for more than like two weeks. He'd been playing great. And then all of a sudden he lands on Rudy Gobert's foot and he's going to be out for a month. And I wouldn't be surprised if it could be even longer than that, just because you never know how these rehab processes are going to go. Hopefully he doesn't have a setback in his rehab once this uh, foot injury gets taken care of. But all in all, the Lakers are going to struggle once again with 80 out of the lineup. And it's unfortunate because they had a big win over the Jazz. LeBron did kind of take it over towards the end of the game, but they need AD. And with him being out for another month, you just kind of go back to what the Lakers have been this season, an up and down team. And I think you look at the situation, the Lakers may barely get into the playoffs, but if they don't have AD, they may miss the playoffs entirely. And the Lakers are just kind of in a state of utter, like, I don't want to say despair, but just constant flux. They just can't stay consistently in a winning pattern unless AD is there. And unfortunately, with him out of the rotation, I think it's going to be really hard for them to win. That's just how I see it. I mean, hey, let's be honest. No one can control injuries. It's unfortunate. These things happen. You're playing a competitive sport relative to contact, of course. You know, it's not like football or hockey, but things happen. And Anthony Davis, unfortunately, is just one of those people that falls into that category or subcategory of incredible when healthy. Absolutely sensational top 10, top 15 player in the NBA when healthy. But when is he actually healthy? When is he actually on the floor to help his team win consistently? And that's been the biggest question for him. Now, I brought up the, the topic off stream, of course, or, you know, off, uh, off, offline to Kyle. And I said, you know, do you guys trade Anthony Davis? We just traded KP, big contract. The difference is Anthony Davis has contributed to a championship. Anthony Davis went on the floor is, like I said, a top 15 player, arguably 10, depending on who you talk to. Chris Tapp's Porzingis isn't that. So again, I kind of retracted that statement. It's a big reason why it's not on the podcast. But I wanted to give you guys that, like, that little background. And I'm just wondering, if this continues, it's just a big cap hit to the Lakers. I mean, while LeBron James is on this team, which technically is only for one more year contractually, I don't see Anthony Davis being on the team past the point of LeBron staying. So... LA's really got to turn it around and figure out what the hell they're going to do with this because if Anthony Davis is going to continue to miss significant amount of significant amount of time, he could end up being a big piece moved to acquire a Damian Lillard or somebody of that magnitude to make LeBron's last year that much more viable. So I don't know what Kyle think, you know, I don't know what anybody else outside of what me and Kyle are thinking. Let us know in the comments, guys. We love when you guys interact. We love when you guys um are are, are giving us good questions and making good points. I mean, you guys don't have to just comment when we make a mistake or, or a bad point in your opinion. So let us know what you think, man, because this Anthony Davis stuff is starting to get a little bit repetitive. Well, it just, it always kind of circles back to whether or not the 80s in the rotation for the Lakers. And really the last couple years, it hasn't been consistent. Really this year in particular, 
I think he's missed half the season already. And, you know, for somebody of AD's stature in the league, one of the best power forwards, and sometimes he plays the five just depending on what the lineup is, you can't have that. And I know when you look at the Lakers roster overall, it's the majority of the roster's old. There's no other way of saying it. Now, AD is in his, I think, like in his late 20s. But when you, factor, yeah, when you factor in all of the entries that he has, probably has like the body of like a freaking 34-year-old just because the dude can't stay healthy. And I just, for me, I've never really seen somebody just so snake-bitten by injuries. Granted, there have been players that have gone through major injuries like Derrick Rose in the past where he had these major injuries and just could never get back to the level that he was at before those injuries took place. It's just with AD, it's these little ones. You miss a month here. You miss three weeks here. You miss maybe six months here. Not six months, six weeks here. But they just add up over time. It's just, he's just frail as far as just his ability to stay on the court. And I know it's cliche and I know it's generic, but your best ability as a basketball player is to be available for your team. And that's trying to avoid injuries. Now, what happened against Utah, I mean, listen, there have been many times where I've gone up for a rebound and I landed somebody's foot and I rolled my ankle. It happens to the best of us. Hell, there have been times where I've played pickup basketball with you and I think I rolled my ankle pretty good and I was feeling it for a couple weeks, probably a couple months. But that was, uh, That's a story for another day. But... It's just with AD, it's just he's so consistently hurt. You can never rely on him long-term. And I think if the Lakers are looking to move on from him, teams are going to be wary of that because teams can always point to the fact, it's like, how many games has AD missed in the last couple of years, whether he's with the Lakers or with the Pelicans before that? And you look at the state of the Lakers, they're clearly better with Anthony Davis on the roster. There's no other way of saying it. But when he's out, you could tell like the team is just not as good when he's there or when he's not there, excuse me. And, you know, with the Lakers having an older roster and you don't have AD in the lineup, it's a tough body to replace. And that's why the Lakers have had this up and down season this year. They've had good stretches, but it's been followed up by bad stretches. There have been times where they've looked legitimately awful. And there have been times when both AD and LeBron have missed time, and then the Lakers look like a, a complete and utter shit show. You know, I don't know how much LeBron's really got left in the tank. Because, you know, when LeBron came to LA, it was with the idea that Anthony Davis was eventually going to play, and that was going to be the one-two combo that was going to take the Lakers far into the playoffs. Well, they have one title so far, which is, you know, something that they can hold in high regard. But in the... The last couple of years, Kevin, it's been a grind. This year in particular, it's been bad. The Lakers are a sub-500 team, and they definitely deserve it. Guys are not playing up to standard. The roster is old. And even though LeBron is one of the best players in the NBA, he's in his late 30s. This is not LeBron from 2012, 2013, 2014. LeBron's basically on the last year year or two of good years left before he does kind of eventually, I don't want to say fall off a clip, but start a gradual decline. And the Lakers are going to have to do something about that. Because to me, AD is not the answer long-term. 
And it's tough for me to say that because I, I think AD is a great player, but you can't rely on him long-term. You know, unless he shows the ability where he can play a couple seasons and not get hurt, then it'd be a little bit different. But at this point, he hasn't. And I think the Lakers, they have to consider some sort of trade options. I don't know who they would get back in return because teams could look at it as like, he's damaged goods as far as trade pieces are concerned. And you may not get the best trade package back for AD, even though that he is still relatively young and has a lot left in his career. But can't stay healthy. And that's the biggest knock against him. I mean, Charles Barkley said it. Anthony Street Cole Davis. I mean, it's harsh. That's so funny. I but love it's true. That. It's true. It's true. Hey, it is what it is, man. Like we said, there's uh, there's nothing you can really do about an injury. You just got to see how the team handles the adversity. Now, this team that we're about to talk about. Oh, I'm, is, I'm ready is, for this is, one. This team is not scared of adversity. The Knicks have been going through it for decades of nonsense and bad teams and terrible general management. So our next topic is just going to be strictly about the Knicks and how bad they have been playing lately. They're two and eight in their last 10. They blew a 28 point game against the Nets just last night. And Cam Thomas absolutely lit them up. Just like Kyle said, as if it was Kobe in the damn garden. And with Brooklyn being a rival in New York, you need to hold that game together. So Kyle, I already see you chomping at the bit. What do you got to say to these Knicks fans that were all hyped up after just one game just a few months ago? Knicks fans, how are we feeling right now? Guys are sitting, what, 12th place in the Eastern Conference sub-500 record? That you guys are like four and a half games back of a play-in tournament situation? Now, Kevin, when you look at this team, we had high expectations for the Knicks this year. In fact, I think if we even go back a couple months, we were actually thinking that the Knicks could be a top four, top five team in the East just based off the success that they've had from last season. Yep. And this team has done a complete 180 to basically what they've always been throughout our lifetimes. An incompetent team, an incompetent franchise. And that's exactly what has taken place this season. And Knicks fans, despite the fact that you got all giddy and you got on your high horse after beating the Celtics in the first game of the year, saying, screaming, Knicks are back. We're going to win it all. You know, we own New York. Sub-500 record. Obviously, the Nets are the better team in New York. I don't care what you guys have to say about it. Clearly shows, despite the fact that the nonsense that they've had to go through with KD missing time, Kyrie and his shenanigans with the COVID stuff, and James Harden. I don't even want to get into him. He's no longer there. Good riddance. But when I look at the Knicks... The Knicks got off to a good start this year for 2022. They won like five or six straight games to start off January. And then they've hit a complete wall since then. And it's really kind of really gone downhill in the last couple games or so. I mean, Kevin, I mean, it's like you said, they've lost how many games in a row at times? Four, five, six games? Yeah, they'll, at go, a on, time? they'll go on some skids. Yeah. Back and forth in the last 10, games. last 10 games, they've lost. Yeah. They've won two games and they've lost out of eight. eight. Yeah. And the one thing that has kind of stood out to me is the fact that the Knicks are predicated on playing defense. I mean, that's who they have with Tom Thibodeau as a coach. They're getting out rebounded to death. I mean, against the Nets the other day, they got out rebounded by 10 rebounds. The Nets are not really known to be a defensive team. And they out, they out rebounded the Knicks. That's not a good look. 
Now, a lot of Knicks fans will say, well, this is all on Tom Thibodeau. And to a certain extent, they are probably right because I don't, I do think that Tom has put this team in a situation where they're kind of at odds with each other. I think the Cam Reddish situation of not giving him playtime when reports surfaced that Tom Thibodeau didn't want Cam Reddish in the fold, I don't think that helped with the chemistry. You've seen Julius Randle get, you know, verbally frustrated with the assistant coaches. I remember one in particular where one of the assistants was showing him a play on a laptop and Julius just slammed the laptop down after not, you know, wanting to hear about it. So you could definitely tell there's a lot of dysfunction with this team. And I imagine that the front office is looking at Tom Thibodeau. It's like, you got to make a big move before this all-star break comes up because the way that this team is assembled right now, this team is going downhill fast. And I don't know if Tom's the the right guy to do it. And there's a very good chance that the Knicks are not going to make the playoffs this year just because they haven't shown me anything consistent that this is a team that's really going to do something in the playoffs. They've got a couple months to try to figure this out. It's an uphill battle. Maybe if they make a move right around the All-Star break, maybe that'll change things. But you're going to be kind of limited here. Trade deadline's come and gone. So this is pretty much the roster that you're going to stick with unless you make some moves where you cut some guys or you move some guys around. But Tom's got to figure it out. But Kevin, it's like I said, Knicks fans, what's up? What's going on? This is your team, right? But y'all have been really quiet last couple games and uh, really quiet after blowing basically a 30-point lead against the Nets. So as um, as we'd like to say, this new generation likes to say, y'all are down bad, and Kevin, I'll let you take it from here. Listen, I, I really can't say anything outside of what Kyle just said. I'm not really going to reiterate or repeat. It's uh... – it's weird to see the Knicks struggling right now, knowing that their roster is relatively the same, um, you know, with Randall and Barrett and Rose coming back on the extension, um, you know, Thibodeau being known for the defensive mind that he is and always has been over the course of his career. But Kyle and I were actually talking about this literally right before we started recording. So the biggest thing with Tom Thibodeau in his career has always been defense has always been get the right personnel, get the right people to uh, get the right people to be there. And then, of course, he has always been a player's coach. He's always been the type of person that likes his personnel, keeps them together, likes to give them their minutes, whatever have you. Right. So the thing with today's era is you have to understand you have to be able to adjust. you got to have bench depth. You have to be able to trust the guys at the end of the bench to be able to come in for the people that are leading the team and starting. But Tom has not been able to put that aside. Kyle already alluded, the Cam Reddish instance. How do you publicly go out to the media and say, or rumored to have said, I didn't want Cam to begin with? That's a young kid sitting on your bench looking for a second opportunity. Cam hasn't done anything for you to tell him he's not good. Cam hasn't really done anything to mess up for you to be like, I don't like the way that he plays. And he's been given limited opportunity to prove you otherwise. So what is the rest of the team supposed to say when they're trying to come to bat for you? When they are trying to play for you. They're currently in a 2-8 and eight rut in the last 10. What makes them want to get out of bed and come to practice and listen to you babble? His substitutions, his roster, his rotation, should I say, excuse me, have been awful over the last couple of months. And Knicks fans and Knicks front office executives are noticing this. So Tom Thibodeau's time in New York might be coming to a close end rather than, you know, a, a potential extension or, or, or even just, you know, his job to be secure. So. 
I'm definitely going to look at the coaching staff and say that they are a big portion of this team not playing well when you have somebody that leads the helm or, you know, that, that leads the team and nobody wants to play for you. You have a bad reputation or a bad, uh, you know, relationship with some of the players. That's not going to make it any easier for people to want to come out there and give it their all. So, you know, I get it. They're millionaires there to go out there and play the game to the highest of their capabilities. But when you got to deal with somebody day in and day out and constantly be reminded that they didn't even want you there, in camp situation and you know other players not being able to be out on the floor and then of course sticking with players that are not playing well um that again it it makes it really hard for uh nba players if not just athletes in general to want to come to work every day so um the knicks better turn it around or kyle's gonna have a lot worse to say come playoff time because (laughs) as a native new yorker i get it after a win like you guys had to start the year off and the position that you guys have put yourself in it was hype it was lit it was dope the, the garden that the city was absolutely incredibly hype but y'all really are down bad since that side talk episode came out man it's not looking good for you and if you don't stop playing like shit kyle's not gonna stop talking shit so for your sake i'm hoping you turn it around man because I, I i'm always i'll always be pulling for the knicks it's the hometown team but you know you just you guys gotta play better man seriously that's the only thing i gotta say but kevin you have to admit, though, the Knicks fans brought this upon themselves. They got hey, so Hey, it's not hyped. their fault Tom is being a bad coach. Listen, I'm not talking about that. First game of the season. Granted, I know it was that one side talk episode where they got on their high horse. They were super hyped. They were super excited about being Boston in, what was it, double OT? Yeah. It was one game. And you had... Knicks fans who are out in the streets basically claiming that they're back. I mean, granted, you know, they'd been back since last year. They went to the playoffs and got absolutely smoked by Trey Young. And I imagine Knicks fans are still a little bit butthurt about how bad Trey gave it to him that entire series that, Kevin, I remember we both picked the Knicks to win that series. And the Hawks got rid of them in five. Picked the Knicks in five. And the Hawks did it in five. And Trey Young... Ice cold, baby. It was ice cold. And ever since then, I I don't know if the Knicks have ever gotten over that. I, I don't know. It just it seems like this team I feel like their confidence has been shattered to a certain extent. Now, granted, I do think that Tom is probably the biggest factor in that, specifically Tom Thibodeau. But really the one thing that I've noticed is that just the chemistry between the players this year, it's been off. Julius is not the same player from last year. And, you know, they brought Kemba into the fold. And, you know, Kemba, when he's played, you know, has provided a spark. But, I mean, the expectation that I think Knicks fans had when Kemba was coming back home to New York was that this was going to be a huge piece for a team that was looking to try to rectify last year's embarrassment in the first round of the playoffs last year. And, in fact... The team has taken not just one step back, it's probably taken several steps back. Because, I mean, this time last year, the the Knicks were the talk of the town. The Knicks were a top five team in the East. Stephen A. Smith was giddy as fuck, saying, oh my God, it's like the the Knicks are worth watching now. And then you have freaking Stephen A. Smith go on ESPN or ABC, whatever the hell it is, and basically say, like he's always been saying about the Knicks, is that they're a disgrace. Now, I don't think they're as bad as some of That was a funny... Uh, breakdown he had, whether that was yesterday or this morning, yeah. I think it was. Yeah, it was, it was hilarious. It was hysterical, but it's like 
that's what the Knicks do to you. That's what the Knicks do to their fans. They make them go through all this turmoil. And even despite that, the Knicks, these Knicks fans, man, they get rowdy. I give them credit. They they come firing. That's probably just the New York spirit coming out of them. But they kind of give me the vibe that Cowboys fans have. <laughs> when the Cowboys, they get high and they get giddy whenever the team's doing good. Bro, going to Super Bowl, baby. This is our year. We gonna make it happen. And then look what happens. Cowboys get bounced out of the first round from the 49ers. And in this year with the Knicks, let's be honest, Kev. They make it the playoffs? I don't know, man. Unless they find a way to turn it around. I'm just saying, like, I was was hoping that the Knicks would be a good team. We both projected them to be a good team this year. But if they didn't, listen, I I criticize the team to a a larger extent. You know, that's another story for another day. Like, we could do a whole segment about, you know, why the Knicks have looked the way that they have this year. We can get to that point if they miss the playoffs later this year. But I will never get as much enjoyment out of a segment like that compared to what I have for the Knicks fans who get hyped as hell, who are ready to go, ready to ride or die for their team. And then when they lose, bro, it's crickets. Where you at? I don't hear y'all. I mean, y'all in Camp Thomas give it to you like that in the second half against the Nets? Y'all really letting Cam Thomas come off the bench? Look like Kobe Bryant out there. And do you dirty like that? On the home court? In the garden? Y'all down bad, bro. Y'all down bad. I don't give a fuck how y'all feel. Because you guys talk so much shit for a subpar team. I, I find it comical, bro. I find this shit hysterical. And when y'all don't make the playoffs this year, I man, I'll be smoking that New York pack all day. Riding the L train, bro. Riding the L train. It's over. Yo, you, had your, you had your time. That's it. All right. I'm going to save New York the, the, the rest of that painful segment, man. We got more shit to talk about. Let's transition into the NFL. I, bro, that was fun. That was that was. I, I, I was, I was I got, I got, I got to try to save them, man. They, they go come at you in the comments. I know you're ready for it, but we also got some other things to talk about before this they, turns into a war. The Knicks are really all they got. There ain't no other team that's really popping off in New York right now. We don't even know if the Yankees are going to play this year. Oh god, don't talk about that right now. Yeah, but no, Kevin's right. I'll, uh, I'll spare New York for another day. So we'll transition into some NFL topics. I know Kevin's going to be a little bit uh, intrigued by this topic. I don't want to say, you know, downtrodden, but this is definitely, that's going to, this is definitely going to be something that'll pique his interest. So we are now into the off season in the NFL. Super Bowl is coming gone. And, you know, now we're going to start firing up the, uh, the rumors. There have been trade rumors circulating around. There's going to be free agent rumors coming up pretty soon. But really the first big rumor that we've seen is, Carson Wentz appears to be on his way out from Indianapolis after reports have surfaced that the front office is looking to move on from Carson after one season with Wentz at the quarterback spot with Indianapolis. Um, We don't really know what is going to happen with Carson. We don't know if he's going to get cut. We don't know if he's going to get traded. I think it probably behooves Indy to trade him rather than cut him because that's not a cap hit that you want to take. It's damn near $30 million if they just decide to cut him. So at least if you get something back for him, 
It's better than, you know, taking a $30 million cap hit. So really the situation in Indianapolis, in Indy is in flux. And there's really no other way to say that. So Kevin, to pose this question to you, with the report surfacing that it appears that the Colts and Carson Wentz appear to be heading for a split, how do you think the Colts could try to rectify this situation going on into the offseason? I'm going to be honest. I don't know. I don't know what they're thinking. I don't know what it is that they have on their minds. Typically in a situation like this, you would assume with common sense. Again, this is an assumption. Um, I'm hoping that they have a plan. They wouldn't be doing this if there wasn't a quarterback on their radar that they're going to acquire via free agency or via another trade. We already know that the quarterbacks in this upcoming draft class are nothing spectacular. I'm not going to go trade an experienced veteran quarterback that statistically is coming off one of his best years in the last few to go get a rookie that is unproven. For that, we go with Sam Ellinger, Ellinger that was behind him, our rookie, or, excuse me, our now second year quarterback out of Texas, as opposed to going and drafting another person that we don't know how they're going to produce. Now, the front office has been said to have leaked that they are looking to either cut him before the March 18th or March 19th deadline, which $15 million for a contract bonus or whatever it is, um, you know, for him making the active roster will be due to him. So this move is going to happen relatively quickly. It's obviously the 17th of February. We still have a month to go, but they said that, you know, the reports that we're getting are from Jason Spears and Luke Diamond. Both of them for the For for the Culture podcast have been the absolute phenomenal best source of information for all Colts news. Kyle can vouch everything that they have predicted in the last two seasons, whether it was a free agency signing, someone getting cut, or a trade happening, it ended up happening. And not many sources that are not verified, like a Chris Mortensen and Adam Schefter or Shams, um, happen like that. So as I was saying, uh, Carson Wentz is probably going to be out the door after one year. Now, I know what everybody's thinking. How could that happen? Carson Wentz had a great year statistically. Carson Wentz had the best year he's had since arguably 2017. He did. 62% completion percentage, 3,563 yards, 27 touchdown passes, seven interceptions. Touchdown to, you know, interception ratio extremely high. Um, excuse me, low. And then overall as a quarterback rating, 94.6. What more can he ask for, right? What, what's the problem with Carson Wentz? Why is it that the Colts are looking to move on? If you don't watch our games, you're not going to understand because all you're going to see are numbers. You know, I'm not going to know a lot about the Patriots because I don't watch the Patriots in and out, so I would expect to get that information from Kyle. The biggest thing that I've noticed as a Colts fan and what Colts fans are saying all over the internet are, of course, Carson doesn't step up when he's needed. The big moments, the clutch moments, the moments that we need him to hit, he doesn't. Now, those seven interceptions, I know what you're thinking. It's only seven. But the timely situations in which he threw them were games in which we needed to win, games in which we were behind. Now, I've been shitting on Frank Reich's play calling all season long, so I get that you know, some of this has to do with him. But that doesn't fix Carson missing open receivers. Carson forcing a situation, a.k.a. the second Tennessee game where he threw it left-handed, a.k.a. when he's trying to roll out of the pocket and get stripped. He is the most strip-sacked quarterback or has the most quarterback fumble since he's entered the league in 2015, 16, whatever the hell that was, uh, fifth, whatever. The point of the matter is, I don't believe that Carson is the quarterback of the future in Indianapolis. Now, again, I don't know what we have planned in the future in terms of quarterbacks we are trying to take or quarterbacks we are trying to acquire. 
I know for a fact the Texans aren't going to trade Deshaun to us, not to mention that's going to cost too much capital. Derek Carr is looking for $40 million a year. That's more than Carson, so that takes him off the table. Kyler Murray is trying to clarify himself as a better teammate after reports came out this week, or it was this week, that he was a diva, a bit of a stubborn and, you know, just difficult quarterback to deal with when, you know, things didn't go his way, very self-centered and whatnot. So, once again, I have no concept of what it is that we're looking to bring into the locker room. The sad part is, he is a player's player. He is a, 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 a he is a locker room guy. He's a veteran presence. All his teammates love him. The entire coaching staff loves him. The front office loves him as a person. But the fact of the matter is, we're here to win games. We want to compete for a Super Bowl, and we're wasting the prime careers of plenty of pro bowlers. Kenny Moore, Darius Leonard, Quinn Nelson, DeForest Buckner. We're not getting any younger. And this is now going to be potentially the sixth quarterback in Frank Reich's coaching career, Andrew Luck, Philip Rivers, obviously Carson Wentz. He had uh, Jacoby Brissett one year. He had multiple backups come in, uh, obviously throughout the injuries uh, prior to uh, prior to Carson. Obviously, Ellinger had to play a little bit. Um, Ethan had to play a little bit. But again, the point of the matter is um, this is going to be a, a – a, pretty complicated process now that we have to change the entire offense once again but anyway I don't know what's happening with Carson as a Colts fan I do want to see us have a little bit more of a plan before I go out there and say that I want this move to happen because I said it at the top if we don't have a fucking plan run it back with Carson again we're going to get hit with something regardless for the cap I'd rather him a full offseason and we'll see what happens but overall um not looking good for the Colts moving forward unless we go out there and we go and make a big move, man. I'm really concerned. I mean, Kev, I mean, I agree with most of your points. The only thing that I have a little bit of contention with is really the, the front office aspect of them moving on from Carson so quickly. I mean, the guy's only been there for a year. Statistically speaking, he had a pretty good year. And I disagree with them on this idea that because he had a good year statistically that they should move on from him because this is the most value that he might get moving forward. Now, look at the situation the Colts have. You know, when you look at their status in the AFC South, they're clearly the second best team in that division right behind the Tennessee Titans. And even though despite the fact that the Titans won the division and they were the number one seed in the AFC this year, there were times that the Colts really gave them trouble. And really, like, these two divisional games that the Titans play against the Colts, I mean, the Titans won those in pretty close fashion. And the Colts are a team that can definitely try to challenge them for the top spot in the AFC South. It's just, if they move on from Carson, who are you going to bring into the fold that's going to possibly make that situation happen as far as being competitive in your own division? Because the way that I see it, unless they were to bring in somebody like a top-tier quarterback, I don't think they're, they're going to do better long-term. I do think that Carson's probably the best option that they have available right now, unless you trade somebody like Aaron Rodgers in return, which I don't really foresee happening. So when I look at the whole team as a, you know, from a larger perspective, clearly the best player that they have on their offense is Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor is probably one of the top three, top four running backs in the league. And Carson is a good complimentary piece to Taylor. But if the Colts are so quick to move on from 
Carson just because he had one decent year statistically. I don't think it's going to be a recipe that's going to work in their favor long term. Just because I think Carson, despite the fact that there have been some times where Kevin and I have thought that Frank Reich has been a little bit too partial with the play calling to try to get Carson some good looks here and there. I still think that Carson's a good option moving forward. And even though that he has missed some opportunities to step up when the moments counted, you know, the most pivotal moments mattered. Do you really think that bringing somebody else in is going to make that big of a change unless it's a top tier quarterback? I don't really think so. I think the main thing that the Colts have to focus on this year, if Carson is their quarterback, try to get JT more touches. He's clearly the workhorse for that offense. Try to improve the offensive line because, let's face it, the last game of the year, the Jaguars spanked the Colts, and the offensive line did not protect Carson. They couldn't open up run lanes for Jonathan Taylor, and the defense got torched by Trevor Lawrence, who looked like Tom Brady out there that day. So I I think this is more of trying to make fine-tuning and make some small tweaks here and there. I think moving on from Carson is too big of an adjustment based on the situation that the Colts have. I think if they keep with Carson, that's probably the best thing moving forward. But the front office seems pretty dead set on moving him, which I think is a mistake. You know, I like Chris Ballard as their GM. I think he's done a great job with constructing this Colts roster that they have at the helm right now. But I think by and large, I think they're missing the mark on this one. If they were to bring in a top-tier quarterback based off of this trade, then I think it could work out in the long term. But if they don't, I think the Colts are going to take a back seat from this one. I think they're actually going to take a step back, even though that I think um, I think Carson, you know, even though he's missed some throws here and there, I think he's a good option for them moving forward. That's just how I see it. So my thing with this final point, because I know that we have other things to talk about, is... Frank pushed to acquire Carson. Frank and Ballard got extensions at the beginning of this at the beginning of last year. Frank made Ballard pull the trigger. Therefore, their futures are locked and intertwined together. Ballard taking the gamble on Carson means that that decision was eventually on him, and our failure of a season is on Frank. So now that you put the two of them of well, Carson messed up. The season didn't go well. I think Jim Irsay's had enough. Him saying everything he has been saying so far since the offseason for us has begun was this all starts with me referencing himself and saying that moves are going to be made and we're going to shake things up. Now, obviously, reports that they were not happy with Carson. Jason and Luke reported within, I want to say, a week or two weeks of the offseason for us, which was the first round of the playoffs. Absolutely ridiculous that that report had even come out. And obviously now we're looking at it after the Super Bowl, and now this has become more of a tractional thing. So what I'm getting at is here, they can't afford to take another gamble on Carson. Carson had his prover year last year. Carson had his, we need to do what we need to do. We had two opportunities to seal a wild card win in which Carson failed to perform as well. Offensive line issues in the final game was a contributing factor, yes. Play calling defensive schemes against Jacksonville were were also at at fault here. Yes, but I watched both games. Carson did not do enough to put us in predicaments to extend drives and or capitalize on defensive mismatches. As a quarterback, whether it's a design 15-yard in or a fucking pump and go, 
your job is to hit the receiver either in stride or give them an opportunity to catch the football. Carson was unable to do it in both. So therefore, that shows that he is not capable of giving us the best chance to win. And Ballard nor Frank can afford to lose their job because the quarterback that they took a gamble on can't hit a receiver in the hands. That is why I also think this is going to happen because they just – listen, Frank got his guy. It didn't pan out. It is what it is. Now Chris's job is on the line. And with Jim Irsay being pissed and that old man being the guy that he is, he's going to do something to shake shit up. And if that's a change at the quarterback position, there's got to be – I have to have faith that my owner must have some kind of insider knowledge of somebody being available. I'm going out on a limb, and I'm going to say we're going to go after Russell Wilson. I don't see us going after an old quarterback in Aaron Rodgers. He's 38, can't win in the postseason. That's only going to be a Band-Aid. Russell's in his early 30s. We know that he's mobile. We have a better offensive line than Seattle did. We have a better running game than they did in Seattle. We got to get some receivers maybe in free agency or in a draft room um, to replicate DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. But overall, I think that is going to be the guy. That's the guy I'm speculating we're looking to acquire because everybody else just doesn't seem realistic right now. And if we're talking about money, if we're going to pay Carson that much money, why not just pay a veteran Super Bowl quarterback like Russell to do it? It's a bold take. No. Bold take indeed, because you guys would have to pay essentially an arm and a leg in a trade package to get Russell Wilson. I mean, that would be a hefty trade. And that's even if the Seahawks wanted to pull the trigger on that trade. I agree. Like I I said, it's bold. Now, here's the thing. Kind of a bold take here. What if you guys been after Kirk Cousins? Kirk Cousins is owed $45 million next year. That's like $12 million more than Carson. Well, I'm just saying, like, who is out there that you would trade for that's actually available for? I mean, you look at That's what I was saying. Well, it's like I listened to them all before. You you have, like, okay, Kirk Cousins could be available. Right. Maybe Russell Wilson, depending on how Mm -hmm. that situation goes in Seattle. You got Jimmy G in San Francisco, who looks to be on the way out. We don't really know yet, but it seems like Trey Lance is that guy kind of waiting in the wings based yeah. on you know the 49ers front office possibly making a move to move on from Jimmy G. And then after that, you're dealing with maybe subpar to average quarterbacks at that point to yeah. trade for. So I, I don't really think that there's a lot to work with here. I, I mean... Good God! I, I mean, I like I said, Sam Darnold. Like, so you, like maybe you trade for Sam Darnold, but I mean, it's like I, I don't. I made the point for a reason. There are a lot of people that are going to be available, whether it's contractually or via the trade market. And I'm not saying that. That's why I said if we don't have a definitive, I want to play in Indianapolis, or we are willing to make this trade. I'd rather just keep Carson. I really would. There's just no point in taking a gamble for someone that's less or more expensive that we don't know what they're going to produce. Well, and, and that's kind of the thing. If the front office is dead set on moving him, well, then who are you going to get in return? You have to get I, it better somebody. not be Jimmy. G. It better not be Jimmy. I don't want Jimmy at all. No disrespect to Jimmy. I know that I defended him a few weeks ago, but he can't stay healthy either. So I'd rather just not. Yeah, but I, I really think the main issue on this team. It's Frank. It's, it's, yeah. the play, it's the play calling offensively just because that defense, when given opportunities, is fantastic at times. But when that offense is not producing, that defense gets exposed. 
It's also the receiving court outside of T.Y. Hilton, a named person. And of course, Michael Pittman Jr. being the emerging number one. Colin Coward made a really good point. Michael Pittman Jr. or any other playoff contending team is a number two receiver at best. Maybe depending on what team we're talking about. We have nobody outside of Michael Pittman Jr. to go out there and get a pass. We have Mo Alley-Cox as a blocking tight end, mainly used for blocking situations and goal line because of his height. Jack Doyle's contemplating retirement. I know that we drafted another tight end last year out of SMU, so he's very young. And then, of course, Ashlyn Doolin at the wide receiver, who's usually used on special teams. And then, of course, you have freaking Paris Campbell, who can't stay healthy. T.Y. Hilton, who can't stay healthy, who's also definitely better not fucking come back next year. Uh, T.Y., I love you to death. That's disrespectful. Listen, for $10 million or whatever the hell we paid him for him to play like six games, I'm good off that, bro. Like, listen, you could go wherever the hell you want. I'm not paying you that much bread. And, again, the list goes on and on and on. There are a lot of reasons. What about Pascal? Huh? I like Pascal. Zach Pascal is a great quarterback. But, again, that's like a third receiver or fourth receiver on any other playoff contending team. The fact that he's number two and Carson barely targeted him outside of maybe some third downs, again, I don't – I need something more. I need us to go out there and sign a big-name free agent receiver like an Allen Robinson or something of that nature. Maybe trade for a Calvin Ridley. Not that he's any better from the injury standpoint, but we need a name that people are going to fear so that a quarterback can actually have someone to throw to. So, again – I don't want to spend too much time on the Colts thing. I know we've been talking about it for about 15, 20 minutes now, but there's a lot of shit that's going to happen in the next couple of weeks, and we're going to be here to talk about it. I, I do want to make this one final point about the Colts. To me, there is a template that they can use to their advantage in this one. You know what this team kind of reminds me of a little bit of? They remind me of the Seattle Seahawks before they really kind of went on their Super Bowl run. Because when you look at the dynamics of the team, they have a quarterback that is hit or miss. Because Russell Wilson early on was a hit or miss quarterback. And then a- as time progressed, he became a-, a better quarterback when they were kind of going on their Super Bowl run. Yeah, Carson Wentz is kind of that hit-, hit or miss quarterback. But look at what the Colts have in their running backfield. They got Jonathan Taylor. Top three, top four running back in the league already. Guy put up what? 16, 1700, 1800 yards this season. Was an absolute mm-hmm. beast. You have a good offensive line to work with. Seattle had a good offensive line to work with because how do you think Beastmo got all those touches back in the day when he was going off? Yeah, they were because the top was, offensive line payment-wise when Russell started, and then I think like four years later they had the lowest pay rate for offensive line. So now, yeah. now offensively, they're very similar. The only thing that I think is missing from Indy is really one good playmaker for the wide receiving core. They have Michael Pittman Jr., so that's somebody that they could kind of build off of. They need to add another one. And then when you look at the defense, even though that I thought that Seattle had a better defense was a legion of boom, that's not to say that Indianapolis has a shitty defense overall. They have a good a defense. They rush. have great players. They're missing a pass rush. And their secondary, at times, can't, can't, be get, burnt. And, can't yep. get burnt. With Seattle, that secondary was locked down with Richard Sherman Cam Chancellor, they had some other guys. Earl back Thomas. Too. Earl Thomas. They also had Brandon uh, Browner. Yeah, they had some studs back there. That's the one thing that I think that Indy is missing. Indy is missing a little bit of grit on that defense. They get it from Darius Leonard. They get it from DeForest De- De- Buckner at times. But by and large, that team needs a little bit more grit. They need somebody who's like an energizer buddy more than just Darius. Because 
Darius can only energize that defense to a certain extent. They need somebody like, they need an enforcer in that secondary. They need somebody that can hit. Somebody that's not afraid to hit. And I think if you add that mixture together, you know, Indy could be a really good team. But that's honestly who they kind of remind me of a little bit. They have a great running back. They have a good offensive line. They have a hit or miss quarterback who's known to make some decent plays here and there, but also kind of screw it up every now and then. And defensively, they can be similar, but I do think that Seattle had a better defense. It's just the the Colts are not that bad of a team. I know the record doesn't indicate the record indicates they're a 500 team pretty much. But honestly, they could have gone 12 and five last year had some of the plays gone their way. Yeah, and that's and that's really the difference. It's just a couple plays. That can make a difference between being nine and eight, eleven and seven, eleven and six, or twelve and five. Yeah, it's, oh, you're I, right. So that's just kind of like my little comparison. Granted, it's not like a direct comparison, but that's who the Colts kind of remind me of. They just remind me of an early Seattle Seahawks team before they started winning Super Bowls. And if the Colts play their cards right, they really kind of maximize the the youth that they have on their team moving forward, and they get the play calling right. You never know. I'm not saying the team's going to go instantly to a Super Bowl, but I do think that the playoffs can be a reasonable expectation, but they got to make a decision at the quarterback spot, and I think moving on from Carson is a mistake. I think it would be. If you're not going to get somebody of decent value in return. I agree. And if we go out there and we get some scrub, you are going to hear a whole lot of shit from me. I promise you that. But anyway, again, another topic. That'll be another rant. Another topic for another day. Now, to close it out, I believe all we have left is our rapid-fire true and false game, correct? Yeah, so pretty much this is going to be a pretty straightforward segment. Uh, Kevin and I have never done something like this before, so this is just going to be trial and error, see how it goes. Um, But what we're going to do is we're going to throw out some quick-fire NFL stories that have been kind of popping up here and there. And essentially it's going to be a true or false uh, questionnaire by and large. So I'll say a question to Kevin, you know, I'll say true or false. So-and-so is doing this off season or next season or whatever the case may be. And Kevin will respond. I'll respond. And then we'll move on to the next one. So without further ado, let's dive into this first uh, story that's coming up. First one is, Aaron Donald has been contemplating retirement. There's been reports surfacing the last couple days or so that he is definitely contemplating it. So, Kevin, true or false, do you believe that Aaron Donald retires this offseason? I'm going to go with false straight up. Um, I think that he is going to get addicted to the winning feeling. I think that what he indicated during the parade, granted most of them were inebriated and a little bit intoxicated, but it seemed like they wanted to run it back. I think Aaron's going to get that feeling of saying, you know what, I want another chance. I think we have a good enough team. Matthew Stafford's here. I think that's false. I think Aaron Donald comes back for at least one more year. And Kevin, for me, very simple. I think it's false as well. I think Aaron Donald comes back next year. I know that he's been contemplating this the last couple weeks. I just don't see it. When you win a Super Bowl, you're on cloud nine. It's a feeling unlike anything that really pro athletes experience. There's only a a very select few that have ever experienced that throughout their entire career. I think Aaron, he's going to be taking some time to, you know, take some time with his family, reassess some things in maybe a month or two, but I think he's going to be back with the Rams next year. And he's going to be back to doing what he always does. And that's just wreaking havoc on opposing offenses. Like he did this past season, 
like he's done in seasons in the past and what he did in the Super Bowl. I think he's going to be back. I think he's going to be better than ever next year. That's just how I see it. So to go into the next one, we're going to focus on Aaron Rodgers. Now, Aaron Rodgers, we don't know really know what his status is going to be. There have been a lot of rumors that he's going to move on from Green Bay. Going into next year, there have been reports that Green Bay is really trying to entice him to stay with the Packers for the near future. So for $45 really, million a year. It's going to be a lot of money, but oh. really, it's, a, it's an up or down situation with Aaron Rodgers. So, Kevin, true or false, Aaron Rodgers stays in Green Bay and plays with the Packers next season. I'm going false again. I know this one's a hot take, but I've been saying it for a couple of months now. I've been saying it to Kyle plenty of times off air as well. I think Aaron, Aaron Donald, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to Denver. I think John Elway loves to acquire older quarterbacks, give them that situation of you could win right now. That top 10 defense, got a great wide receiver room, got a great one-two punch in the run game, got a really solid and above average offensive line. And then, of course, a brand new head coach that, of course, is going to be his former offensive coordinator in in uh, in Denver. So we will see what happens in that front, but I think Aaron Rodgers will definitely not be in Green Bay. Kevin, I'm very conflicted on this one. I'm going to contradict myself because we had a segment about this a couple of weeks ago where I said that the last game that he played with the Packers when they lost to the 49ers, that would be the case. I think he will actually stay in Green Bay, and here's why. I know it's a lot of money. It's going to be tough for Green Bay to get back to a Super Bowl. But I think Green Bay is going to bend over backwards to keep Aaron Rodgers in there. Look, Aaron Rodgers has played his entire career with the Green Bay Packers. And I understand the last couple of years have not worked out in his favor. But unless he's guaranteed a spot on a winning team with great pieces around him, I think he's going to look at the situation outside of Green Bay and say, is it really worth it to go to this place, to go to that place? Do I see myself winning a Super Bowl there? Now, the point that you brought up about Denver, I think it's a good one because they have the pieces offensively. They have a great defense. It's just, do they pull the trigger? Do they make it happen? I'm not 100% sure on that. And because I'm uncertain about that, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to try it out one more year next year in Green Bay. Go for broke. Try to make it happen. And I think he will end up staying in Green Bay. I'm not too confident on it, but I'm going to stick with it. I think it's I think it's true. I think he's going to stay in Green Bay next season. Amen. It's weird. Uh, last point on this one. I know it's rapid fire. Devontae Adams is rumored also to get somewhere in the $30 million a year range as well. Yes. You, if you're paying $75 million for two players, I don't know what improvements you're going to be able to make on the offensive side of the ball, let alone the defensive side. So we're going to have to see what happens in Green Bay, man. Like I said, not confident in that one, but that's just what my gut is telling me. I think he's going to stay for some odd reason. It's just that's how I feel on this one. Now, the third one that we have, Kevin, this will be a fun one for you. Tom Brady has, quote-unquote, retired, and we don't really expect that Tom's going to be playing for the Buccaneers next year. However, there have been reports surfacing the last couple of days or so where some players, Rob Gronkowski, one in particular, saying that he's not, he wouldn't be surprised if Tom Brady comes back within the next couple of years or so. And there have been a lot of rumors circulating that Tom isn't finished playing in the NFL. So Kevin, to kick this one to you, true or false, Tom Brady will play in the NFL next season. False. Solely, solely picking that because I pray to God he doesn't. I've suffered enough. 
22 years is enough damn time in the NFL. You won enough fucking Super Bowls. Save some for the rest of the goddamn league, okay? Go spend time with your kids that you probably don't even know. Go spend time with your wife that makes more money than you. Whatever. So, Tom Brady, no. Tom Brady stays retired. And I'm going to say it's true. I think he plays in the NFL next year, and here's why. Because Tom has been focusing on all this family time, uh, the family time aspect, all the time that he's missed with his kids, with his wife, and just, you know, his extended family. But, Kevin, I got to say this. One weekend with the end loss, and Tom's going to be really thinking. It's like, man, am I ready for all this family time yet? Am I, is this something that I want to commit to for the rest of my life? Just saying, you know, granted they're in-laws, part of the family, but they can get on your nerves every now and then. And he's like, you know what? I got better things to do than this. I'm going to go back. Go play some Go play some league. I'm going to go play on the field. Granted, I don't know if it's going to be for the Buccaneers. I don't know if it's going to be for the 49ers. There's been some rumors that Tom may play for the 49ers next year. If that were to be the case, I think it'd be great. He goes home for that one year in San Francisco. But my gut feeling on this one, I think he comes back. I don't know if he's going to start the year with a team, but I think he finishes somewhere. And Kevin, you're 23. And I'm just saying, ring number eight is possible. Don't count it out. That's all I'm saying. But, you know, we'll see how it goes. We'll see. Suffered enough, man. Go to the next one. Yeah. Yeah. You know, number number eight, Kevin. Number eight. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So the fourth one that we have on deck is Deshaun Watson. Now, there have been some rumors circulating that Deshaun Watson is getting some looks from some teams like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, teams like the Minnesota Vikings. And granted, you know, Deshaun Watson's kind of going through his own sexual harassment suit where there's been damn near two dozen women that have accused him of sexual misconduct at really these masseuse meetings that he did or these masseuse appointments that he had, met them through Instagram. So we don't really know what his uh, near, I guess, what his short-term future is going to hold. But, Kevin, to kick this one to you, do you think it is true or false Deshaun Watson will play in the NFL next year? Well, I think it's true. Um, obviously, last year was the kind of the year to kind of figure everything out. Obviously, he was not put on the commissioner's exempt list. The Houston Texans refused to trade him. The Houston Texans refused to play him. I think now with Houston moving in the direction of Lovey Smith, basically restarting from the ground up, I think that they're going to take they're going to take hold of the situation. They're going to say, you know what? If you're not going to play for us, then we're going to make sure that we get you on out of here. We're going to get some assets in return. I don't know if it happens directly once the offseason begins, but I do believe that Deshaun Jackson, Deshaun Watson, oh my goodness, will be on a new team. Now, where he lands, I do not know, but I think that Deshaun Watson will definitely be out of a Houston Texans uniform next season. And I'm in full agreement with you. I think it's true. I think he will play in the NFL. I don't know if he's going to start because I don't know if if there's going to be some sort of suspension that takes place because of this whole sexual misconduct suit that he's going through. They may suspend him just based on personal conduct, but I think it will be a... Sure thing that Deshaun Watson plays in the league next year. I don't know what team it's going to be. I don't know how long it's going to be for. But with Deshaun Watson's athletic ability at the quarterback spot, you got to think that teams are just gnawing at the bit to try to get Deshaun Watson on the roster. That's just how I see it, plain and simple. Now, with the last segment, this is going to focus on the Rams. The Rams are coming off the heels of winning Super Bowl 56 
against the Bengals. They won that game by the score of 23 to 20. Great game. Came right down to the end. And Kevin, to get this one to you, true or false, do you think that the Los Angeles Rams will repeat as Super Bowl champions next season? I'm going to go with false. A lot of competitive teams out there. A lot of teams getting better. A lot of teams to improve, whether in the draft and free agency. Um, the Rams wrote a high. The Rams also have to be able to pay out now and shell out a whole lot of money. Uh, Odell Beckham just tore his ACL once again. Eric Weddle was a big replacement for some injuries that they had later in the year. Aaron Donald is contemplating retirement. Andrew Whitworth is Whit, – Whit, Whitmore, what the, the offense is Whitworth. Whitworth. I think Whitworth is going to end up hanging it up as well. So it's a big blind side for Matthew Stafford. So, uh, yeah, definitely don't think they're going to be able to hold all the pieces together. And obviously with them losing their offensive coordinator to become the head coach of the uh, Minnesota Vikings, I think that's going to shake things up on offense as well. So definitely going to go with false. And Kevin, to end it here, I'm in full agreement with you. I think it will be false as well. I mean, it has been damn near two decades since we've seen a team repeat as Super Bowl champions. That was the 2003 to 2005 Patriots. I believe that they were the last team to do that. It's a very difficult task. You have a lot of turnover on the roster the year that you win the Super Bowl because guys are, you know, reaching contract years. Once that Super Bowl run is over, they're looking to find better teams where they could pay them more. I just think that the turnover from this offseason is going to be too much for the Rams to handle. I still think they're going to be a competitive team. I still think that they're going to be one of the top teams in the NFC. But as far as a Super Bowl team, I just don't see it. I think they fall a little bit short, and I see it as false. They will not repeat as Super Bowl champions. But that was our quick fire or rapid fire, whatever you want to call it, uh, NFL edition for a true or false. This is just something a little bit different. Kevin and I were kind of coming up with this in like our little like our pre-production meeting, whatever you want to call it. And, um, you know, we just wanted to do something different, kind of spark different ideas. There's a lot of small little headline stories in the NFL right now, now that we're into the off season, there's not really like any sort of like big breaking news to do, to speak of, but you know, kind of condensing like those smaller stories into that kind of like true or false format. I thought that would be kind of cool. No, it was something different. I mean, I could see us doing that on a weekly basis, maybe a biweekly basis, just some random topics that are going around the league, obviously, rather than forcing a full on segment, that we're trying to like, you know, pull at straws to gain to last five to 10 minutes or five to eight minutes, yeah. whatever our segment lengths are. This is something quick. And, you know, if we were to break that up into different sections, I mean, Kyle and I have been talking about TikTok for a while, just good little pieces to put out there, try to gain some traction on another social media platform, um, just to interest you guys, see what you guys think about, you know, your quick fire opinions. Maybe at some point we'll be able to put like a 30 second meter on the bottom to actually make this a timed event. Again, that's all technology. That's all on Kyle. I, apologize i'm not technologically sound enough to go about doing that so uh i don't know we'll see yeah that's my exactly. that's my guy you know exactly exactly <laughs> i've been waiting to like pull that out bro i got the Derek car face everybody knows well, that Derek car face when he was sitting on the bench just had that 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 whole like thing. yeah yeah it looks like freaking uh What's that? What's the what's the speedy kid from The Incredibles? What's his name? Dash. Dash. I think, da I think Dash kind of made a similar face in that movie at one point where he looked like. No, I think it was Sinestro when he was a kid, like the bad guy. I think it was him. Like. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought yeah. that was Dash for a second, but no, that was funny. Oh my god, we got a freaking Incredibles reference. We're old, bro. 
Don't remind me, bro. Don't remind me. You're gonna be all right. You're gonna be joining the the twenty seven club in about a month. We'll be uh we'll be applying for nursing homes together. Yeah, those AAP those AARP cards are gonna be coming soon, bro. Shit, I got mine last year. Shit, I could go to uh I go to the village inn and get the early bird special probably. That's enough. All right, we're wrapping it up. I'm going to bed. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, once once you throw the the village in out there, it's it, it's game over. It's, it's game over. But uh, yeah, that's pretty much all that we have on deck for you guys today. That's that's all we have. You know, pretty short episode compared to what we've had the, the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, football was really kind of carrying uh the large portion of our episodes the last couple of weeks. Now that that's come to a close, um, it's like we said earlier, we're gonna make kind of a bigger pivot into the NBA. We would be talking a little bit more about baseball, but because of the lockout situation that seems to be looming, just because both the players' union and the owners, the uh, the tensions between the two sides has not gotten any better. Uh, they've had a meeting, I believe, just within like the last day or so, where the meeting lasted 15 minutes between both sides. So you could really kind of tell that this uh, this situation with the MLB is not improving anytime soon. And it looks like it is all but certain that um, there's a lockout coming. So unfortunately that's, that's kind of the, uh, the state of affairs in the MLB. That is probably something that we'll, we will touch on on our next episode next week. So um, we'll definitely get around to that and we'll see if any more news pops up here and there about the uh, two sides possibly coming together to fix the ongoing issues. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, once again, just thank you guys for supporting the podcast the way that you have, um, whether you guys were listening to us on the audio platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or watching us on YouTube, watching our videos. Uh, we definitely appreciate the support. Kevin, I got nothing else to add here. The floor is yours. Uh, take us on home. All right. Well, guys, as always, Kyle already said it. Thank you for the support. Um We've had a lot of incoming subs, a lot of incoming followers on multiple social media platforms. So, I mean, big shout out to the guys helping us out on Twitter, uh, specifically the group that we've just recently joined to kind of help us proactively uh, put ourselves out there in the podcast platform. You know, the algorithm on social media, when you start to retweet and kind of favorite things, you kind of get put in these spaces. So, um, again, we wouldn't be here without you guys as a, as a unit. And of course, you know, again, shout out to my partner for doing a lot of the video stuff. Without him, we wouldn't be able to do a lot of the things that we do. But as always, guys, we'll be talking to you again Sunday night, coming in on Monday morning, and uh, we'll be seeing you soon. Yeah. With that said, you guys, uh, take it easy, and we'll see you guys next week. Welcome, explorers of the human experience. This is Let's Talk Soul, and I'm your host, Claudia Monticelli. We're not afraid of the great mysteries of existence here. Soul versus consciousness, we're on it. Spirituality versus science, we've got that covered too. Join us in navigating these profound topics with wisdom, curiosity, and a dash of audacity. Whether you're a spiritual veteran or just starting your journey, Let's Talk Soul is your passport to the unknown. Let's Talk Soul, diving into the depths of the human spirit. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on Electricast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Electricast.